Welcome back to Mastering Law, the podcast. This is part two of time management the right way. If you've not already listened to part one, listen to it first. I'm Tom Goolsby, and as always, I am here to help attorneys in making the most out of their law practice, whether it's practice management, whether it's advertising, whether it's adopting great procedures to get the most out of your staff, out of yourself, whatever it might be. We really try to focus on it here at MasteringLaw.com. It's all about mastering the business of practicing law. Hope you follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We'd love to hear back from you. Of course, our website is MasteringLaw.com. And let's jump right into time management the right way, part two. Wasn't sure if this was going to be a two-parter, but we got so long-winded in the first one but as I started writing it out, as I, as I told you on that first one, I realized just how much material there was and how much longer it got and got. What we did on that first, just to sort of recap, I don't know how long it's been, maybe you've listened to these back to back, but you understand that we are not here to talk about creating endless smothering lists, tasks, buying more software to tell you how to do things better, and setting all this junk up that you know you'll never do. Time's the only thing we have to manage. It's our time and our staff's time, and we've got to make the most out of it. Now, to recap, we talked about stopping interruptions. You've got to stop that. We talked about multitasking is not the answer. What is the answer is to focus on one task at a time, keeping in mind Parkinson's Law. And again, we've talked about Parkinson's Law before. I refer to it every day I feel like in my own head, and it's something you need to pay attention to. What is Parkinson's Law? Again, it says that any task will fill up the amount of time you allot for it. So what do you do? You allot the least amount of time you possibly can to any task, and you try to get it done. And if you don't get it done in that time period, move on to another one or set up a time to actually come back and revisit that. Now, if it's something you've just got to get done, take a break, stretch a little bit, rewire your brain, get your blood flowing, then sit back down and a lot. Again, the minimum amount of time you think it will take to get it done and work to really make sure that you focus like a laser beam on that task. So multitasking is not going to do it for you. Now, we talk about focusing on one task at a time. One way to do that is the batch process. You got stuff. I gave the example of a newsletter that you do every week because you do a weekly newsletter. Maybe it's printed, maybe it's an email newsletter, whatever it is, or maybe you're working on your Facebook posts, your Twitter posts and all. Instead of doing those once a day, I use a piece of software called Edgar. We're going to have a whole thing on that, but it allows you to upload tons of stuff. It'll post it for you as you set it up in your schedule and queue it up, and it'll save them and repeat them later. When people forget about what you've done, it'll bring it back up again. So again, you batch process that. So instead of doing a week at a time, batch process, for, batch process it for a month or two months. Okay, email, you check only once or twice a day, period. The same with your callbacks. People are calling into your office. You call them back. You let your staff, you tell your staff to let them know. Mr. Goolsby returns phone calls between about 3 and 4, 4.30, something like that. Is there a good time between during then that he can call you? Oh, yeah, 3.15 would be great because I got an appointment until 3. Okay, I'll let him know. He'll try to call you back then. I mean, again, making sure that you set up time frames that you work within and you don't get led around by other people's agendas. 
We talked about how to handle problem clients. We gave a great rundown on how you can make sure you minimize those time wasters that want to talk to you for two or three hours. You can't let that happen. We wrapped up that last show with staff interruptions and how you set things up for your staff so that they will achieve for you and you won't be functioning on the short leash they give you. Now, let's jump into this one. Staff training for time management. Extremely important that you train your staff, and we touched on this last time. Your staff's going to do what you train them to do, or just what you let them do if you don't train them. And that may be good, bad, or ugly. Chances are it'll probably be somewhere between not so good and ugly. What you have to do is figure out the kind of office you want. You have to train your staff to do it, and of course take feedback from them, modify as makes sense, not as they want necessarily, because you're the one paying the bill. And then the other thing you do is you have to monitor, because your staff will do what you train them to do, and you monitor. They may do what you train them to do, but chances are they'll do what they want to do. In the end, they'll figure out a reason to do what they want to do, and it may be the complete opposite of what you want them to do and what necessarily makes sense. Now, they need to make lists of problems, questions, concerns they have throughout the course of the day because, again, they're not going to be knocking on your door whenever anything comes up. And, in fact, you are not only going to encourage them, you are going to train them to write down their problems in a list. They're going to keep a list. Now, maybe they keep it on their computer. It'd be even better if they kept it in writing, but maybe their writing's horrific. And, and again, maybe it's quicker to keep it on their computer. But they need a list of what their issues are and a list that they can share with you. You need to establish areas, and we're going to get back to that and go over that in more detail, but things like marketing, procedures, those types of things that when they have issues in those areas, they're going to actually put that on their list. Now, we're going to use that list later. We're going to get to that in just a minute. You're going to need buy-in from your staff, your associates, your fellow partners about the new system. And I'm telling you right now, they're probably not going to like it. You're probably going to get a half-hearted, yeah, Bobby's on a new kick. He wants us to not have, uh, you know, not bug each other all day long. I just don't think that's going to work. I, I, ju I, I just don't know that I like that. I mean, how are we going to get things done? How are we going to actually find out what problems are? Well, let me tell you. When you establish these areas that you're actually keeping notes on where problems are with clients, with callbacks, with procedures, with marketing, you're going to actually have time period set up meetings, short meetings, hopefully, where you're going to deal with those issues in bulk. And you're not going to do it every day necessarily. You may do it once a week on big items, like say technology, new purchases, new things you need. Now, you might do it once a month, maybe once a quarter. But you're going to come up with areas for your staff to give you feedback on and for it to be addressed. And you're going to require them to do it because you're going to ask for those lists every now and then. You're going to monitor. And in fact, when you hear staff complain about things, you're going to write down what they said. And then when you ask for their list and they don't have one, you're going to be able to hold them accountable and say, well, wait a minute. I don't understand. I I'm ready to have my technology meeting. 
I remember back on August the 5th, because I wrote it down, you said that you needed a color printer, not just a, oh, oh, yeah, oh, I, oh, oh, you forgot. Let me see how you keep your lists. Show me on your computer. And then all of a sudden, it's head sweat time. The brow starts sweating and furrowing. Oh, well, I don't really, I didn't know you really. No, what I say is what I mean, and I'm going to check up on it. I expect you to do what I tell you to do. Is there a problem here? No, 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 I, I just didn't understand. Good, well, you understand now. You're going to do it, right? I'm going to do it, and I'm going to check. Okay, now, let's talk about refusing to bend. You know, who's paying the bills in your practice? You and your partners are paying the bills. Your clients are paying the bills first, but you're the one who decides what gets paid, who gets to stay, and how things are to work, and you need to make sure you remember that. Now, it's not going to be easy. I'm not telling you it's going to be easy. I'm telling you it's probably going to be hard. For you to change anything in an organization, it's not easy. But it's going to take you laying down the law and you training. And not just training once. You train one time. You come back a week later and you train again, probably on the same thing. And you say, hey, this is what we've been doing. Tell me how the new phone, new phone protocol is going. Oh, well, you know, we're, we're not really getting that. Well, wait a minute. What do you mean you're not? I, I, how come I'm not getting the emails? How come I'm still getting the handwritten notes? You know what? Again, how come I'm just getting voicemails? What's going on? Well, Edie was out. We're trying to fix. Uh-uh. No, let's do it again. Let's figure it out. Here's the reason. Here's why. Here's what I expect. Here's what I'm monitoring. So again, realize just because you say it one time in no way means it's going to happen. The fact that you've said it one time, two times, three times, six times, and you're monitoring it and requiring feedback and making sure it ha that's when it's going to happen. So remember, it's not just what you say. It's how many times you say it, and it's how you enforce it, and it's how you check on it. So it is worth it because all you can control is your time usage and that of your staff. And like we said before, urgent and important can be two different things. If it is urgent but not important, you don't need to bother yourself with it right now. That can come later. But if it is urgent and important, then you need to deal with it now and you need to make sure your staff understands. Okay, they understand the difference between unimportant and urgent and urgent and important. You need to make sure they understand that. Now, training your staff. Like I said, you train them. On whatever your protocols are, how you're going to how you're going to institute your new way of doing things that we don't interrupt throughout the day. We set up these times to deal with these issues, and I'm going to jump into those in just a minute. Tell you how to specifically do that. We're going to all address our emails at specific times during the day, time or times. We're going to address our phone call callbacks this way. We're going to do this. We're going to get more productive. And you're going to teach them how to do it. You're going to set the rules, and you're going to see that they comply, and you're going to ask them and retrain them. So again, when you do your initial trainings, you need to follow up, probably no later than a week, to go back to the drawing board, recover those same issues, and see if it's getting done. You also need to ask for and receive and listen to criticism. 
you will hear, hey, we don't like switching the phones off. The times don't work. In fact, I usually do this thing at that time. And now, okay, fine. Tell me how you want to do it. Well, I, I don't really want to answer the phones. Oh, no, no, no. It's not going to be that way. We're, you're going to do what I said you're going to do. If you want to switch the times off a little bit, that's fine. But we're going to do what I said we're going to do. That's important to make sure that you understand that and that your staff understands that. Now, you're going to listen to the criticism and you will, you will be willing to change and do what needs to be done to make things work. You're also going to monitor compliance. You've got to make sure that what you teach is what they do because it's really not what you teach. It's not just that. It's what you test. And you've got to make sure that the things that you've taught them are getting done. And you need to check their lists of issues in each subject area that you've established for putting together problems. Now, let's talk about that. We've got areas for you to monitor, areas that, and, and you can establish as many or as few of these as you want. You can come up with your own. Something that's, and, and these may be for everybody. These may be in, in small firms just for one person like yourself. Like you might be the marketing guy. If you're, if you're a solo practitioner, you are the marketing guy. If you're farming your marketing out to somebody else, you're screwing up by the numbers, okay? You may have somebody else, an independent contractor that helps you, but you're the marketing guy. And you got to make sure you become as much of an expert as you can until you get somebody else in that works for you that is. But you've got to be the bottom line person who makes those calls. So an area for you to monitor and potentially have a meeting on every week, every month, every quarter, whatever it is. And marketing should be once a week to once every two weeks. You should do something in marketing, some type of monitoring. But again, for your staff to help you with notes. You know, hey, I think we should increase our yellow page advertising. Probably not. Uh, I think we're getting more calls in because we're monitoring and asking people why they're calling the firm, who they're getting, who they're coming from. We need to do more outreach to local attorneys that can help us. We're getting most of our calls from family law attorneys that are referring their clients on domestic violence protective orders over to us. You know, whatever it might be. If, you know, if, if you're asking your staff and you're having them reach out and help you figure out where your clients are coming from, bring them into those marketing meetings can be very helpful. You know, you can learn, where are we getting our case? Oh, tow truck drivers. We got one tow truck company in town that the woman, we helped her son out. They love us. She's sending all of their people over to us. Well, wait a minute. Could we do that with another company? Could we do, is there something we could do to really let her know how much we appreciate her? I mean, again, if you ask, if you monitor, if you pay attention and you address it once a week, once a month, once every quarter, whatever it might be, you're going to find out that valuable information. But if you just don't pay attention, you don't set up any time to look at it, and I'm talking, you know, maybe it's 10 or 15 minutes once a week that you really monitor what we're doing marketing-wise. Ask your staff for feedback. How do, are you seeing the TV commercials? Are you hearing the radio stuff? How's the direct mail going? Those kinds of things. What are you hearing from clients? How are our cases coming in? Those kind of things can be extremely helpful. So the areas to monitor, marketing's one. Customer service uh, or contact you know, is another. Like what are the clients saying? Are we having feed, negative feedback? How often do people want us to reach out to them? 
What are we doing for customer service? I mean, all those kind of things, again, is another area. Technology, I touched on that previously. Technology, equipment, uh, usage, and needs. That could be another area, again, that you might have a, week, a meeting once every couple of weeks, once a month, whatever. Accounts receivable. How often are we looking at who owes us what? Are, are, am I getting on the phone once a week or every two weeks with the independent contractor accountant that I have and say, okay, uh, Bobby, let's run through and tell me who owes us money, how are, we get, how are our payables looking, you know, send me the spreadsheet, let me take a look at it, I'll get you on the phone, or when you stop by the office to pick up the bills to pay, we'll sit down for 10 minutes, I need you to come by on Fridays at 3, whatever it might be. Again, making sure to outline these areas you need to monitor. And another area I came up with was personnel and protocols, standard operating procedures, you know, looking at how are we doing our incoming phone calls, how are we doing client contact? Are we sending out letters to update all of our PI clients once a month? I mean, what does that make sense? Do they like it? Or maybe we could just phone them. Maybe we could send them an email. I mean, what are we doing? So again, those kinds of things, addressing those areas. And you could start with those areas, see if you really need them. And again, they're, they're marketing, customer service or contact, technology, equipment, usage and needs, uh, accounts receivable, and personnel, protocols, SOPs, uh, standard operating procedures. So those five areas, you could start with those and, and set up a meeting, you know, once every week, once every two weeks, depending on how pressing it is. And if it's nothing but you sitting down for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and just thinking about it, making some notes, figuring out what to do, that kind of strategic planning it's going to do so much for your practice. You're going to be blown away because you're going to think about it instead of, hey, the phones aren't ringing and they've not been ringing for two weeks. We might want to do some advertising. Advertising? I don't know how to do advertising. Do I go buy a billboard? Uh, do I go spend $50,000 on TV commercials? Do I do I do a direct mail campaign? Uh, do I go have some flyers printed and hand them out at the mall? I mean, again, if this is the first time you addressed it, you're probably going to be in panic mode and way behind the power curve. But if you address it every week or every two weeks or month or quarter, you're going to at least have thought about it before and know somewhere to go gather information. Very important. Okay, let's keep moving on. Uh, you need to set up those kinds of meetings and you need to make sure that, again, you limit the time on those things and that you utilize them the right way. And again, Figure out the people that you need in those. You may expand or shrink that list from the beginning. Relevant staff, associates, partners, independent contractors. Here's another thing. I learned this in the Marine Corps. We had a colonel who was Johnny on it when it came, because, you know, in the military, you can spend your whole day at nothing but worthless meetings. And this colonel, God bless him, decided he was so tired of meetings. He said, you know what? How do we cost out meetings? So you know what he did? He went and looked up what the base pay was for lieutenants, majors, captains, colonels, all that, staffers, whether, whether it was gunnery sergeants, masters. And whenever we had a meeting, he had his XO, his executive officer, who was a lieutenant colonel, go, and his job was to figure out how much that meeting cost. And if it was an hour-long meeting with 20 people, uh, eight colonels, you know, six majors, four lieutenants, whatever it might be, they would calculate the cost of the meeting. And at the end, he'd say, XO, how much does this meeting cost us? Well, Colonel, it's been going on an hour right now at $6,582, or it's $25,000. The Colonel would look around the table and go, do we do $25,000 worth of work for the American taxpayer? 
mean, you know, they calculated it out. That's something you should consider. You just don't have meetings just to have meetings. You have meetings because you're going to get stuff done, and you need to figure out, and evaluating on that kind of basis can be a good way. And again, we don't have meetings just to have meetings. We have meetings to get things done, and we want to get things done in the least amount of time, the most efficiently as possible. We don't just stop everybody in the middle of the day and say, hey, let's have a school circle right here and, and do some training. When everybody's in the middle of their days doing stuff, we can set those up at good times and, again, that people can plan for. And those meetings can be in person. But you know what? If your accountant's going to charge you travel time to come to your office when you can just as easily call up the documents on your computer and have them on the telephone and look it over and discuss it with them, why not do a teleconference? Maybe you do want to have them there in person. Maybe not all the time, but sometimes. Also, you know, forget about all the video conferencing that's available, too. If you've got partners in other locations, you might want to bring them in by video. Hell, Skype costs nothing. Uh, you, you, if you've got an iPhone, maybe you want to FaceTime them. Whatever it might be, it may make sense to do those things. What you want to end up doing is you want to make sure that your meetings are effective and efficient and helpful. You know that? Well, that is, that is <laughs> efficient and effective. You want them to be helpful overall. You want them to be, you know they're going to have a cost, and you want that cost to be worth the amount of energy and time that you're spending on it. Now, how do you run these meetings? Well, before you sit down, you're going to have to make sure that you've discussed the time frame of the meeting. Everybody knows this is going to be no more than a 15-minute meeting. It's going to be no more than a 30-minute meeting. It's going to be no more than a 50-minute meeting. And again, if it's going to be more than a 50-minute meeting, man, you ought to have a heck of a lot that you're actually doing. If it's going to be a long meeting like that, and again, break every 50 minutes. Get everybody up. Get them to stretch some, move around, walk around the block, get some water, coffee, whatever you need to get your brain and your blood flowing again so that you'll actually be efficient. You're going to need to list the issues to be addressed. In fact, you might send that out beforehand in an email. Hey, this is what we're going to talk about. That may come from your staff lists of problems, of things they've had trouble with. It may be something you came up with. You're going to need to run the meeting and cover each issue succinctly. Now, you're also going to want to set up through the course of that meeting or at the end of it. I like to do it as the meeting goes along. We go from subject matter to subject matter. You need to come up with tasks with which you need to deal and you need to assign that work to specific people to do it. Maybe your accountant comes and says, you know, hey, we've done this, we've done it. How much are we spending on advertising? Oh, we're spending about 20% of our gross income or our net income. Really? Well, what, how's that broken down? I don't know. i tell you what. Next meeting, I want you to break down how it's been over the last five years, how much it's grown, where we're spending it, how it breaks down percentage-wise. I want to get a good feel for where our advertising money's going, and I'd like to see how much our bottom line profits have grown with those varying costs. Okay, fine. Your accountant can do that, bring it back to you next time. But you need to set tasks for the people who attend the meeting that can do those tasks to do. Maybe you assign them to yourself. Not a bad thing to do also. Then you need to go ahead and schedule a follow-up meeting at that meeting. Let's have another meeting in two weeks. Let's do it again on a Thursday at 3.15. Everybody check your schedules. Get back to me. We'll try to hold it at 15 minutes or 30 minutes, whatever it might be. You all have your tasks. Want to see them done by then? We'll check up on that. Maybe a day before, I'll get you to email me the information that you got. I'm going to mark that on my calendar to check with everybody 
at 3 o'clock on Wednesday since the meeting's on Thursday to make sure you've got all your notes and you're ready to run. Again, you, you tell people what you need them to do, you tell them what you told them, and you let them know you're going to check it. Now, if you run out of time, what do you do? Well, people probably have other things to do. So if, if you've miscalculated on the amount of time needed for the meeting, what does that mean? Well, you can possibly extend the meeting, but that may not be workable. You can set another meeting. But in the meantime, you've gone through certain action item areas. You can go ahead and have people following up on that. You can make progress in the meantime and come back and follow and, and continue and deal with the rest of the material and then the, the updates in the interim in the meantime. Um, what we have to do is, again, we got to focus on doing something every time. Do something, okay? You don't have to solve every problem. We, we never talk about solving every problem on our podcast. We talk about doing something, moving the ball forward. You know, do something. You need to, and when you talk about doing something, it's not just the low-hanging fruit. It's not the easy tasks. Again, what's urgent and important? Not just what's urgent, not just what's important. What's urgent and important? Do that first. Second, do what's important. Third, do what's urgent, okay? And um, somewhat, but the stuff that's not urgent and not important, why worry? Well, you know, come on. Focus on the 20% of things that get 80% of the stuff done. Remember, that rule always plays through. The 2080 rule. Uh, per, was it Pareto's principle? Pareto's principle. Uh, that was the Italian economist that, came, that learned that 20% of the pot, bean pods in his garden produced 80% of the beans, or peas, I think it was. He also learned that in Italy at the time, 80% of the wealth was produced by 20% of the population. Well, again, it's at least, in the Pareto principle, it's at least 20% of the stuff produces 80% of the real. Sometimes it's 10% produces 90 So again, we want to make sure we focus on the priority things and do those first and foremost. And think about this. If you only make a 2% improvement to a problem every week, after 50 weeks, okay, Less than a year, two weeks less than a year after 50 weeks. You know, what's two times 50? It's 100. So if you improve 2% a week after 50 weeks, you've made a 100% improvement. Who can't can't improve something 2% a week? And if you can do that week in and week out with the important priority things in your firm, whether it's advertising or tasking or profitability, whatever it might be. If you can just move the ball forward 2% every week, you're going to be 100% better in a year. That's what it takes. That's what it takes. So set aside a little bit of time over this next week to study these issues. Think about what's actually going to move the ball forward. Set up a time to start establishing these rules of time management with your staff. Set up a time to do that. Sit down with them, let them know what you've decided to do, and start instituting the few things that we've talked about, the most important. No interruptions during these time periods. I'm going to make sure I check my email at these two times during the day. Tell me what your times are. I don't want to get phone calls except at this time. I want you to email those to me. I don't want to be interrupted at my desk unless it's both an important and urgent call. 
It's not the software guy that wants to sell me something and it's urgent to him. It's urgent and important to me. Okay, that's the way you're going to make progress. And again, remember, if you can just make 2% of progress a week, you're going to be 100% better at the end of the year. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate it. We'd love to hear back from you. You can always email us, masteringlive.com. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. You can follow us at the website. And the one big thing we ask, go to iTunes. Like, well, we'd like you to like us on Facebook and Twitter, uh, but go to iTunes. Subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star rating and say something nice about us. And lastly, Share us with some of your other attorney friends so you can help them and their practices. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate you, and we'll be back to you again with more valuable training soon.